God has for us. Let's remember where we've come from. Remember that as we take a look at, at what's going on in the church of Corinth, the church of Corinth is very much like every church across the nation today. Just filled with normal people, have normal problems, issues. Some of those issues, when we look at them and as we read them, we don't really feel the same passion that they felt about those problems. But if we're willing to take a look at it and say, okay, this is a picture for me. He's painting a picture of how I should be, how I should care about my brother, how I should function within the body. So when we look at that, if we'll allow that to apply, we'll be able to move forward. We'll be able to step forward and walk and follow what God is calling us to do. Remember last time we started in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, as we took a look at it, we saw that in the wilderness, there were at least 2 million people with the children of Israel. We saw that they all experienced God in the same way. They all saw the cloud. They all saw the pillar of fire. They all watched the same miracles. They all saw the sea parted and walked across on dry land. They all had those similar experiences. But the Bible goes on to say, yet with most of them, God wasn't well pleased. When we study the Old Testament, we discover what most of them means. There were two. Of the two million, two, they were able to enter in to everything that God had for them. That's not talking about salvation. It's talking about entering in to everything that God has for you. Don't you want everything that God has for you? Don't you want to have, there's got to be more than this, this life we live in the, in, as we just play church. We can come to church every Sunday and we can study the word and we can open it. We can be saved and we can stay stagnant in that place. But over on the right hand, just out of reach, is everything that God has planned for your life. And so often we'll just be satisfied to be here. We're just satisfied in this place. Let's face it, folks, there's not all that much easy about the Christian life, and it's even easier if I'll stay here. If I don't want to move forward with the Lord, if I don't want everything that He has for me, I can just stay in that place. I can just hang out there. But, folks, God has so much more for us, so much more for us to experience, so much more for us to realize and understand. I remember, you know, Kind of growing up in church, I would hear people talk about, well, you know, the Lord spoke to me or the Lord spoke to my heart. And I always wondered, how, how do you know that until I moved forward with the Lord to the point where I was able to experience those things for myself? That I would feel Lord, the Lord impress upon my heart, that I began to, to really receive the gifts that God has for us to receive. But we got to be willing to move on. And we talked last week about what held them back. Complaining, murmuring, idolatry, all of these things that they, in the the presence of Almighty God, I mean, it blows my mind. But folks, we're the same way. Well, for them, they could see the visual presence of God. They saw the cloud or the pillar of fire. They saw Mount Sinai erupt in flame and lightning and smoke and heard the voice of God speak the Ten Commandments. That's pretty amazing. That's pretty incredible. And as they journeyed with God for a year and they experienced 
all the incredible things that God had for them, they came to that place where they could enter in, where they could have the promises of God, where God said to them, wherever you're willing to put the sole of your foot, I will give it to you. They got all the way to there. And then they gave up. All of them but two. And when I say all of them but two, don't forget, Moses and Aaron didn't go into the promised land either. Moses and Aaron were held out. We want to move forward. We want to experience all that God has for us. We want to have what Jesus promised. We read the scriptures and we hear Jesus say, I came to give you life. And life more abundantly. And yet we're satisfied with life less abundant. If we will learn the lesson that they provide for us in the Old Testament. If we learn the lesson of how far they came, but how far they could have gone. And we'll say, I'll only be satisfied to experience all that God has for me. Whatever it is, whatever the Lord has for me, good, bad, indifferent, it's going to enable me to walk with Him in a greater degree and experience, in a fuller sense, the abundant life. Paul described that abundant life to us in 2 Corinthians. As we continue to study through the Bible, we're going to come to it, hopefully in a few weeks, we'll get to 2 Corinthians. And when we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul's going to lay it out for us. He's going to tell us how many times the world knocked him down. How many times people tried to put him out. How many times the devil tried to gain the victory over him. How many difficult things he went through. And how hard it was. And in the end, every time he got knocked down, he got back up. Every time he came after him, every time something in the world upset his his whole being, he was able to rise above it to overcome. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome. That's the abundant life. That's the life that no matter what's going on around us, it won't rob us of our joy. No matter what's going around us, we will experience rest. Are you experiencing rest? Or is life out of control? Do you feel like you're barely able to keep up one day to the next? Because Jesus, the scripture tells us, if we are in Christ Jesus, we are in our Sabbath rest. He is our rest. Folks, the reason we're able to move forward in a relationship with God simply is because Jesus finished the work. Do you know that? It has been completed. It is finished. Done. We can experience rest even in the midst of the storm, in the midst of Him. Drawing near unto him but let's face it sometimes the things that we face the stuff that comes into our life it knocks us off track and we we finished up in verse 13 last week let's look at it he said now no temptation is overtaking you except such as is common to man but god is faithful so many times we focus on that first part well no temptation has overcome you except such as is common to man the things that we face It's common. This world has bad things that happen in this place. But folks, don't forget that other part. God is faithful. In the midst of it all, God is, doesn't matter how it looks, doesn't matter how it feels. God is faithful. 
and he will provide us a way out. It says, he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape. The Greek phrase for that way of escape is literally a mountain pass. But you know what happens? Folks, we get in the midst of our storm, we get in the midst of our struggle, we get in the midst of all the things that can occur, keeping us from moving forward and experiencing everything that God has for us. And in the midst of that storm, we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start looking at the waves and the wind. And what does this mean? And and this is what's going to happen. And we start looking out into the future and worrying. And we we start letting all those things pull us down. And we can't see the way out. But we don't see the way out doesn't mean it's not there. We don't see the way out because of what we're looking at. We take our eyes and put them back on Jesus Christ. We find our way. We'll find our way through. Can't go over it. You can't go around it. You got to go through it. But Jesus Christ knows the way through. But listen, the children of Israel, when they came to that place and they saw the giants, they saw the challenges, they saw all the things that filled them with fear, and they said, we can't make it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And so they all perished, not experiencing the best that God had for them. We still face those same things today, right? We still face, as the movie says, our giants. Those, whatever that challenge is, is before us. Whatever that, that illness is, whatever that, that hard thing to understand in our relationship with God, we face that giant. We look at it, and just like them, sometimes we say, I can't do it. I can't make it. I can't find my way through. And so we stop in that place, and we stop moving forward. We want to move forward. we got to take our eyes off of our circumstances and put them on Jesus Christ. We've got to take our eyes off of the, the feelings that we have and the fears that we, that we have working within us, and we've got to put the eyes of faith on Jesus Christ. He says, we don't walk by sight, but what? By faith. I walk by faith. I'm going to trust Him till I see Him. No matter how it looks, no matter what's going on, no matter how something seems. Because, folks, we know, you and I, we don't have the ability to understand what's good. Oh, Jackie, what you talking about? I know what's good. No, you don't. You have no way of knowing when a circumstance affects your life, whether it's for your good or not. What do you mean? Well, you guys know the old Chinese proverb, right? Kathy loves it when I tell this story. She doesn't really love it when I tell this story. This old Chinese farmer. One day a rich fella came to town and gave him a horse. And all his neighbors came to him and said, Man, what a great day. What a good thing has happened to you. You got a horse. And the old Chinese farmer said, Well, whether it's good or bad, we'll see. The next day, his son's riding that horse, falls off, breaks his leg. His neighbors all come to him. Ha you're right. It was bad that you got that horse. And the old farmer said, whether it's good or bad, we'll see. The next day, the guys from the army came through that village and they conscripted every able-bodied male child into the army. But his son didn't go because he had a broken leg. His neighbors all came to him and said, oh, you're right, it was good that you got that horse. He said, you know, whether it was good or bad, we'll see. That army went out and had a great victory and the emperor 
awarded them with all the gold that they could carry. And they all came back wealthy. And the neighbor said, you were right. That horse was bad. And the farmer said, whether it's good or bad, we'll see. A little later on, thieves broke into the village and robbed everything. And several of those young men who had survived the battle were killed as a result of those coming and stealing the gold they had. And the neighbors came to him and said, you're right, the horse was bad. Can we tell what's good or bad? We can't. That story goes on for like a half an hour, and, I, and it don't ever stop. <laughs> because we don't always have the ability to see how a circumstance affects everything around us. We don't see good or bad. So we need to put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Now think about that. Think about that story and then go back to Adam and Eve in the garden. What did they want to understand? The knowledge of good and evil. I want to know good and evil. That's what led them to the fruit. And Satan deceived and they fell. To know good from evil. We still can't do it. We still fall short in our understanding. I think we just think we know. But we put our faith and trust, our eyes on Jesus Christ, and He will get us through. So then in verse 14, look what He says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Oh, Jackie, why do you talk about idolatry? We don't have idolatry today. Really? It is in your gun cabinet. It, <laughs> it, might, it can't be in my gun cabinet because I don't have a gun cabinet yet. It is in your garage. It is, you know, somewhere on your kitchen counter. I don't know. There's a lot of things that were the end-all, beat-all for us that can take our focus away from the Lord. Listen, this is what he says. Flee it. He doesn't say flirt with it. He doesn't say play around with it, toy with it. He says flee. Flee it. Remember, as we were looking at this, the discussion began like this. The question that they were asked Can we eat meat that is sacrificed to idols? And Paul said, listen, those idols are nothing. So there's nothing wrong with the meat. You can eat the meat. A little bit later on, Paul's going to say, but listen, there's nothing wrong with the meat, but there's something wrong with the meeting. And there's something wrong with the, the attitude you portray before certain people when you go after that meat well, what's that meat for us folks that meat is the gray areas of life the things that the bible doesn't say this is a sin the question is is it for my good does it bring glory to god and will it cause my brother to stumble if we allow those things to guide us as we decide then we're able to walk ever closer to the lord that's having the mind of christ but the Corinthians would say, but I'm free. I mean, it's not a problem. If I want to listen to whatever I listen to, I can, right? Yes. But is it for your good? Does it bring glory to God? Will it cause a brother to stumble? If we see all those things as good, then go for it. If they're not, flee. Stay away from it. It's something that's going to hold you back. Verse 15, I speak as to wise men, so judge for yourselves what I say. Listen, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? 
For we, though many, are one bread, one body, for we all partake of that one bread. So he's saying, listen, when we come together corporately, we worship, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, communion, we all are, in essence, partaking of the same loaf. We're all partaking of the same body, the same blood. We're all being a part of the body of Christ. And so we have fellowship one with another. We're unified with that with which we worship. Now, Paul's point is coming up. But as we look at this, as we understand this, we find our fellowship, our communion, our unity together when we corporately worship. That's why the Bible says in the book of Hebrews... Not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. That means there's some people who say we should never gather together. I can have church in my living room. Sure you can. Are you free to have church in your living room? Absolutely. Is it always for your best? Nope. It can be for the glory of God. Maybe it causes a brother to stumble. You have to look at it. Is it for my good? The Bible says... Not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Says to come together corporately and worship. Be unified. Be strengthened. Be encouraged. Enjoy the time that we have together as we gather together that we might draw near unto the Lord. Then in verse 18, he gives us an example from the Old Testament. Listen. Observe Israel after the flesh, or historically. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices, partakers of the altar. So we've been studying this on Wednesdays. We go through the book of Leviticus. We look at the sacrifices. When they brought the sacrifice, that animal that was, was killed was laying upon the altar, which is, a, in essence, a glorified barbecue. Part of the meat went to the priest. Part of the meat in the smoke went to the Lord. And part of the meat went to the family that brought the sacrifice. They are all partaking of the same meet the same sacrifice and they have unity together in that sacrifice so he's talking about we have unity together in communion they had unity together in the sacrifices in the old testament what's his point look at what he says so what am i saying then that an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything Verse 20, rather that the things with the, which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. For what fruit is there for light to have fellowship with darkness? What's the value? This is what he's saying. Listen, if you want to go to the meat market and buy meat, buy whatever meat you want. But you cannot, should not go... Because you feel the freedom to realize idols are nothing. There's no real power in them. They're, they're just worshiping false things. You shouldn't go there and partake of the sacrifices around the altar. Because now, as a believer, you are also being one with the demon that they worship. You understand what I'm saying? They were going to the temple. It wasn't enough just to buy the meat in the market. Now they're going to the temple where they're worshiping Zeus. They're partaking in the sacrifice. They're enjoying part of the meat from the sacrifice because they get a really good deal on it. And they're justifying their actions by saying, well, there's, not real any, there's no real Zeus. Zeus doesn't exist. But you see, you're having fellowship with the darkness. You're having fellowship with that which is not glorifying the Lord. You're having fellowship with that which, if a brother was walking by and saw you in the temple of Zeus, hanging out around the sacrifice, what's he going to think? 
it's going to cause him to stumble? Well, maybe that's okay. Maybe it's going to cause him the grief. So Paul says, listen, the meat is okay, the meeting's not. The meat is okay, the meeting's not. There are places like that in our world today, isn't there? Folks, we know there are places of darkness that we don't have any business being. If we're in that place, do I have freedom? Sure. But with my freedom, will I cause a brother to stumble? In my freedom, does my freedom glorify the Lord? Is it being something that's going to lift His name on high? It's, if it's not, we have no business being there. Cut it off. Cut it off. Oh, but come on, you know, in Christ, there's nothing about that. I can go wherever I want to go. Yes, you can. But with your liberty, are you going to cause someone else to fall? In your liberty, if you want to move forward and experience all that God has for you, then you've got to learn to cast aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares you and run your race with endurance. To have everything that you can. We've talked about it a couple times. Real athletes, they take care of their bodies in ways that enable them to achieve their goals. There's a lot of armchair quarterbacks, right? It's amazing how smart I am watching the football game. I can sit there and, and say everything that New Orleans is doing right. Or everything that Indianapolis is doing wrong. I can check it all out. Man, I should be an NFL coach. Man, I, for sure, I could do all those things. I, could, I can do all that from the comfort of my living room with a TV that lets you see everything that you want to see, slow motion. And I can push stop and pause it and go get a soda and come back and push play. I have all the time in the world to make my decisions. On the football field, it doesn't exactly work out that way. And in life, it's not that way either. In life, when we face the things that we face, the things that enter into our life, I want to be able to move forward with God. So, folks, I need to cut away everything that holds me back from enjoying all that. I need to cut away everything that's going to stop me from experiencing the fullness of the relationship with God. And you're the only one who knows what that is for you. You're the one who knows what going to that place, going to the idols, going into those things. For look what he says in verse 22. Well, first, verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. You can't do both. You can't walk in both parts of the world. You got to decide who you're going to be. Are you going to follow the Lord? Then do it. Are you going to sit on the sidelines? Then you're not going to experience the fullness of God. You can't say, you know, I've tried that, that Christian thing. I've tried doing the Christian thing, but, you know, it just didn't work out for me. Really? How do you just try it? You either are it or you're not. You are either pouring your whole self out like a drink offering before the Lord, or you're not experiencing everything that God has for you. You're not experiencing the fullness of a relationship that the Lord wants to give us. As you hold your finger here, just flip with me real quick over to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Listen to what it says. He says, And you he made alive. 
who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others, but God. You need to hold on to that. But God. That's what we were, but that's not who I am. That's how I once walked, but that's not how I walk anymore. That is where complacency lives, when I try to live in both worlds. When I try to say, yes, I'm a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, but to the best of my ability, I'm staying as close to the edge of falling off into oblivion as I can possibly stand. I'm not experiencing everything. I'm walking in two worlds. I'm, I'm not really enjoying everything that God has for me. A lot of us live our lives there. Two million of the children of Israel lived their entire existence in that place. Just enough to get through. But not enough to experience the great things that God has for you. But God, who is rich in His mercy, with which He has loved us. What has God done for us? You know, before God, what was Abram and Sarai? Abram and Sarai just worshipped a false god in the, in the land of Ur. Ur of the Chaldees. But, but God called them to something more. But God gave a, 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 a childless couple a son. But God brought the Messiah through them. But God worked incredible things in their life, even though they weren't always perfect. But what was the point? Abraham wanted more. Sarah wanted more. We go through the scriptures. Jacob, Jacob just a liar, a thief, ripping people off whenever he could. Jacob wanted more than what he was. He recognized his failings. He wanted more. And he became Israel. Jacob, the man known as a liar, became governed by God. And through Jacob comes the greatest promise of of all. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob brings us through that line, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ through him. What's your but, but God story? Here, all this was my life, but God. Look, I don't want everything that the world has to offer. If you haven't figured it out, it all leads to emptiness. If it didn't all lead to emptiness, then those people who seem to have it all wouldn't be swallowing a shotgun. They'd be saying, hey, it's great. You know, I'm a rock star. I'm famous. I have it all. I'm satisfied. But they write songs that say, what? I can't get no satisfaction. And we think, oh, but I could. Really? There's one place you'll find satisfaction in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not just talking about lip service. I'm talking about the real deal, man. Drawing near to Him. Not playing games anymore, but moving into the fullness that God has for us. Because once upon a time, I was darkness. But now, I'm light in Christ Jesus. Once upon a time, all these other things were true. But I don't want to live there anymore. And if I do, I'm going to be miserable. 
I'm never going to experience the fullness that God has for me. I'm right at the edge of the Jordan River to enter into the promised land, but I'm one of those calling out and saying, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to move forward. I'm afraid to step out. I'm afraid to experience all that God is calling me to. So the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, lays out for us, you can't live in both places. you got to choose. And he says in verse 22... Will you provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than He? You ever thought you knew better than God? Sure we have. Every one of us have been there. I thought I knew how this would be better. I think if God would just let me call the shots, everything would be fine. No, it wouldn't be fine. Because we don't even have the ability to tell good from bad. So I need to trust in the Lord. And look what He tells us. All things are lawful for me. By the way, careful study in the Greek. All means all. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. You understand what he's saying? Just because you have the freedom to do something doesn't mean you should do it. Then he goes on to say, all things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. The word edify means to build up. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. That's pretty straightforward, right? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Are you gossiping about somebody else? That's a corrupt word. You live your life cursing and swearing? That's a corrupt word. What does the Bible say? Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what? Only that which will give grace to the one who receives it. Only that which edifies another. So when we speak... Even if we are speaking criticism, we are to deliver it in such a way that it brings grace to the hearer and builds someone else up. If what we say isn't doing that, then we're living our life in disobedience. We're not experiencing everything that God has for us because we're unwilling to apply what the Word of God says. We want to apply that Word. When we fall, we get back up. When we fail, we confess our sins to God who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and we move forward. But so many times we just make an excuse. I can't do it. I can't do it. I had 100 kids quit on football. I can't do that, coach. I can't do that. I'd go after them a few times. After a while, I just realized that that's what you are. Quitting is a habit. It's not hard to learn that habit. That's an easy habit to learn. We want to have endurance, perseverance, to move forward. Realize, I'm free to experience all these things, but I only want to allow things in my life that are going to bring glory and honor to the Lord. I only want to bring things in my life that are going to encourage me to move forward. Well, come on, Jackie, I'm saved by grace, so so why should it matter how I talk? Because it's not good for you. It's not good for others. It doesn't glorify God. So you get stuck in a place where you're not moving forward. Over freedom. Yeah, but I'm free. I'm saved. Sure you are. I'm going to see Jesus one day. Absolutely. I'm going to stand in His presence. Yes, you will. But you're going to stand in His presence having not experienced everything that He has for you. Because... We make excuses instead of moving forward. 
He says, listen, verse 24, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Whoops. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Philippians chapter 2 has something to say on that, on that subject as well. In fact, in, in Philippians chapter 2, the, the, the great kenosis chapter where it talks about the mind of Christ, this is what it says. Fulfill my joy, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each look out not for their own, but for the other's well-being. Isn't that what Jesus did? Folks, it was easy. Everybody do it. Salvation is easy. Experiencing everything that God has for us, well, that takes another step. That takes a willingness to move forward in obedience to what God's called us. But we allow selfishness to keep us back. Well, if I'm not looking out for myself, who's going to? Trust me. You're looking out for yourself, okay? I don't see nobody in here that's starving to death because they're spending all their time feeding other people. We take care of ourselves, all right? Selfishness pulls us away from everything that God wants us to experience. He said, let the mind of Christ be in you. And Jesus looked out for others more than himself. That's what he did. When they put him on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. When they smote his cheek, he turned the other cheek to him. When they plucked out his beard, he still again faced the crowd and received the spit. He took everything that they had to give for them. For them. Care not only about yourself. Don't just seek your own way. When we get to chapter 13 and we start talking about what love is, do you know that love does not seek its own way? That's the definition. Love does not seek its own way. But me, myself, in my own relationship with my wife, don't I seek my own way? Ask her, she'll tell you. I'll seek my own way as often as I can. And I'm a pretty good manipulator. I could even quote a couple Bible verses to back me up. But love doesn't seek its own way. It doesn't. I want to experience everything that God has for me. Then I need to apply God's word. I need to realize where I've fallen and get up. I need to recognize where my weakness is. Just confess it. Folks, I'm not trying to lay a trip on you where you walk out feeling, oh my gosh, I'm not doing anything right. All you got to do is confess your sin, receive forgiveness, and try again. And try again, and try again, and try again. we got to keep moving forward in everything that God has for us. Look, he tells us, eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. So wherever that meat comes from, it comes from God. Give thanks for it and receive it. Then he goes on. If any of those who do not believe, invites you to dinner, and you desire to go, eat whatever's set before you. 
asking no question for conscience sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, don't eat it for the sake of the one who told you. And for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord in all its fullness. What? Isn't that just the opposite of what he just said? It was a different situation, isn't it? Go to the meat market, buy whatever meat you want. Do whatever you need to do. But if you go to an unbeliever's house and you sit down with them, eat whatever he puts before you. But if this ends up being some kind of a test, hey, this meat was sacrificed to idols, then don't be afraid to make your stand in that place. I went to Russia. And when I went to Russia, Pastor Gerald told me before I went, there are going to be occasions where someone's going to bring you into their house. They're going to give you borscht, which, by the way, is really good. And it's a vegetable, apparently. <clears throat> I couldn't tell. I ate it. It was good. But they give you, they'll put this stuff out in front of you, eat whatever they give you, and there's a chance, a remote chance, that they're going to give you a little shot of vodka. And Pastor Gerald says, so you're going to have to really lean in the Spirit and decide through the gift of discernment whether it's cool for you to, to take that shot with them <laughs> or to say no. So I ended up going out to eat with a guy in, in Russia. It happened to be somewhat of a big wig, and that's their tradition in, in, in Russia, you know, that they have vodka for everything. And so we sit down, and we're having this meal, and he passed out the vodka. And I, there was something in his eyes that told me he just wants to know if I'll drink it. So I said no. I said no. Was I free? Is it okay if I have a drink? Sure. Am I going to give that guy some reason to, to blaspheme the name of God that he can go around and say, yeah, I got that pastor. He had vodka. No, I'm, I'm going to do that which is going to glorify God. And so I said no. Is there freedom in Christ? Sure. Is it okay to have a drink in moderation? Absolutely. If I'm an alcoholic, is it okay? No. If you have an alcoholic in your family and you have him over to your house and you're sitting around having a beer, what are you doing? With your freedom, you're ripping your brother off. So in your freedom, put it away. I actually had a family one time I was doing family counseling with. They had alcoholism throughout the family and they had this one guy who struggled in it. That guy seriously could not go a day sober. All the time, we're going over to the house, praying with him, trying to help him. But every time he got together with his dad and his brothers, they were all drinking. And they wonder why he's, he's failing. With your freedom, don't cause your brother to stumble. We talked about it before. The church of Laodicea, the church that Jesus was outside of in the book of Revelation, knocking on the door, behold, I stand in the door and knock. Jesus wasn't even in that church. Laodicea means people's rights. The church of the people's rights. Well, I have the right to do whatever. Sure you do, but you're not going to experience the fullness of God. You're too concerned with your own rights. And Jesus, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, set aside his rights as God. And then said, you who would come after me, take up your cross and follow me. Follow my example set down your rights jesus set down his rights to take our wrongs so i don't want to cause my brother that's what he's saying here he's saying hey here's all this freedom here's all these opportunities that you can't experience 
But don't you want to enter into all that God has for you? Because if all you're concerned about is what is it okay to do? When I was a teenager, I asked my dad every stinking day, Dad, could I do this and still be saved? Dad, can I do that and still be saved? Could I do this and still be saved? I don't know why he didn't ever run out of patience with me and say, what's wrong with you? <laughs> he would say, he would, he would always show me a little bit of patience. I, he didn't give me that gift. Patience, God's working into me. Why do you want to find out how close the edge of not being saved you can stand? Why do we want to stand on the very brink of, well, I can do this and still be saved, so I'm going to go ahead and do this? How's that help me? How's that glorify God? How's that help my brother? So do it not. Make a decision. Who do you want to be? The two or the two million? Jesus said, narrow is the way of salvation, didn't he? And broad is the way that leads to destruction. A lot of people find the way that leads to destruction. Few find the way to salvation. We want to take that narrow path. We want to walk that narrow road that the Lord lays out for us. So, in verse 30, here's the questions then that the Corinthians ask. Well, okay, if what you're saying is true, but if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of over the food for which I gave thanks? Hey, I prayed, God, thank you for this food. Why? Why? See, they're fighting for rights. Well, if I pray for it, it's good. Why are you fighting for your rights? Just lay them down. It'd be easier. The the next question that they lay out. He says now, verse 31, here's the key. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Here's a good way to to test if I'm in the right place, doing the right thing. First, can I give God thanks for it? Hey, I'm going to go to the movies. What movie are you going to see? I don't know. I'm going to go see something good, you know, see something pretty exciting. Well, when you get to the movies, can you sit there before you go in and pray and give God thanks for that movie? If you can't, don't go. Oh, man, that's a bummer. I really want to see that movie. I really want to move on with the Lord. Do you just want to experience status quo with the two million or you want to have all that God has for you? Do you just want to experience salvation or do you want everything that God wants to give? Well, I'm going to go buy that new CD. That CD just came out. Man, it is awesome CD. I'm going to go get it. Can you give God thanks for it? Well, I can give God thanks for it as long as I put my thumb over that sticker that says explicit language. I can't give God thanks for it. Forget it. Let it go. Oh, but come on. Oh, you're right. You're free. All things are lawful for you, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for you, but not all things build you up. Can I give God thanks for it? Then the second thing, does it glorify God? Just in case you were able to say that prayer. Does it glorify God? Does it bring glory to Him? 
Because isn't that what he said? In everything that you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Can you do it for the glory of God? I used to tell kids all the time. They come and they and they kind of be bummed that the, they're an athlete and they're not able to necessarily do all the things that, that other kids are doing within youth group or something because of prior commitments. And they'd be bummed. they say, can you do what you do for the glory of God? Yeah, then go. I, you missed a, a mission trip to Peru, but every day you get to shine a light of Jesus Christ to your teammates. It's okay. Bloom where you're planted, where God puts you. We get the idea that the only thing that's holiness is, is if you're on a mission trip in the deepest, darkest jungle, being chased by anacondas and crocodiles and, and headhunters, you know, right on the brink. And, and now that's really serving the Lord. No, anything you can do that brings glory to God is good. Anything you can do that brings glory to God is, is vital. And if God puts you in that place, he's made you, he's, he's placed you there for that purpose. Bloom. Do what God's given you to do. Bring glory to him in what you do and how you do it. Glorify God and bloom where you've been planted. And then in verse 32, give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. The third thing, will it stumble someone else? Hey, can I give God thanks for it? Does it give God glory? Will it cause someone else to stumble? Can I give God thanks for it? Does it glorify Him? Will it cause a brother to stumble? If I want to know if what I'm doing, even though the Bible doesn't say this is bad or good, if, I, if it passes that test, go for it. Go for it, but experience the fullness of God. Don't judge your Christianity by the lack of the Lord speaking to you. And in the meantime, he couldn't get a word in edgewise because you got an iPod on your head, people screaming in your ears. Every moment that you don't have that on your head, you're watching a movie, watching TV, playing a video game, doing something else. All these other things are going on all around us. And we turn it all off and say, you know, God just hadn't been speaking to me lately. No kidding. What do you put in your eye gate? What do you put in your ear gate? The Bible says, as a man thinks he as a man thinks he is in his heart, that's how he is. As a man thinks he is in his heart, that's how he is. So what are we putting in? You know that old term in computers, right? Garbage in, garbage out. If I put garbage in, garbage is going to come out. That's how it works. If I put other things in, things that will glorify God, things that I can be thankful of, things that will help my brother stand and be strong, then that's what's going to come out of my life. In Psalm 23, remember how Psalm 23 ends? Psalm 23 is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He says, Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So look in your wake. Look behind you at your wake. Is goodness and mercy following you? In the wake that you have as you go through the river of life, is goodness and mercy. If goodness and mercy are following you, man, we're on track. And we're going to experience the fullness of God. We're going to experience everything that God has for us. We're going to experience all of that. 
But if we, like the church of Corinth, are going to constantly be asking questions about what can I get away with, then we're going to fall short. We're going to fall short of the goodness that God has for us. God stood with the children of Israel, guys, and he said, if you go to the right, you're going to experience incredible blessing, everything you can imagine. You follow my word, keep my precepts. Man, the the goodness that I have to pour out on you, you can't even understand in your mind. But if you go away from that and you decide, look at what they have. Look at they have. The grass is greener on the other side, right? Do you really think that's true? Now, I could never say that in Yucca Valley because there is no grass. There was only dirt. It was hard to, to build that concept. Folks, the grass is greener where you water it. That's where the grass is greener. You don't ever water it, it won't be green. And you water the grass, oh, you know, look at those Hittites. They got it all. They got it all. Look how much fun they're having. Look at the parties they have. Look at them. I mean, they can sleep around with whoever they want to. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody's bummed at them. It's all good. Nobody's giving them no... No heavy deal. They're just letting them do whatever they want. Look at how green the grass is. Look at how happy. Look at how wonderful everything they're experiencing. Oh my gosh, I wish I was a Hittite. Well, the children of Israel would do that. Then they'd go find some loose Hittite woman, start sleeping with her, start worshiping their gods. Next thing you know, life is in a tailspin. Everything's falling apart. But God said, if you go that way, that's what that way leads you to. Take a look at your destination on the road of life that you have chosen. If you're arriving where you want to be, where your goal is, stay on that road. If that road's not getting you where you want to be, if you want something you've never had before, you've got to do something you've never done before. If I want something I've never had, I've got to do something I've never done. If I keep trying to do the same old things and I'm still frustrated, there's something wrong with what I'm doing, right? Cut it out. Experience everything that God wants to give. Experience everything that God wants you to have. Look how the chapter ends. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. And then he says, therefore, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Pretty good test, right? When I can turn and look at my son and say, son, imitate me as I imitate Christ, I'm on track. If I can't say that, and by the way, I can't say that, then I need to take care of some issues. I got to deal with some areas of my life that maybe I'm free, but they're not edifying. I've got to deal, I got to take stock and say, If I want all that God has for me, don't you want that? Don't you want to experience abundant life? Don't you want to experience the beauty of of God guiding your every step and and encouraging you and empowering you and the victories that await there as we serve Him? Man, what an incredible thing to have. What an incredible thing to experience. That's how we find it. There is a way that seems right to a man. But it ends in death. There's a way that seems right to God. That ends in eternal life. So take it. Don't play games. Take everything that God has for you. 
Experience everything that God has for you to experience. Trust Him with everything that you are. And don't allow the freedoms that we feel or the freedoms that God gives us to pull us down and hold us back. I'm free in Christ. But I'm not free in Christ to do whatever I want to do. I'm free in Christ to follow Him with my whole heart. Nothing holds me back. And no matter how many times we fall, the Bible says in the book of Romans, all day long, God says, I reach out my hands to an obstinate people. I qualify in that phrase. All day long, I reach out my hands to a disobedient people. The good news is all day long he's reaching out his hand. Why has he got to reach out his hand? Because we're always falling down. He reaches out our hands. All we got to do is take it and stand back up. Take it and stand back up. Oh, I'm doing good and then I fall down. I'm doing good and I fall down. Good. Get back up. Get back up. Get back up. Move forward into that abundant life. Because that's the abundant life. The abundant life is a life that will not stay down, but will always stand back up. And experience everything that God has for you. Because, folks, in one chapter, this next week, we're going to look at chapter 11. After that, we're going to be looking at the gifts, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of God to equip us to do the things that God's calling us to do. We're going to see all those things, but that's part of that abundant life. We've got to move forward. We've got to step out of the doldrums and into everything that God has for us. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we do thank you, Father, for this day. We thank you, God, that we have an opportunity to come together, study your word. We thank you, Lord, that we have an opportunity to gather corporately in in obedience to your word. We come together and we celebrate. We come together, we study, we come together, we worship, we encourage. The goal in all that, Lord, is that we would draw closer to you that we would know you in a greater degree, that we wouldn't be satisfied with status quo. But whatever it is in our life, and we all have it, God, whatever it is in our life that's stopping us from taking that next step forward, whatever freedom that we have in Christ that we are holding on to so tightly, Lord, help us let it go. Help us set it aside. Help us to realize that the grass is not greener in my freedom to do whatever I want to do, but the grass truly is greener in my freedom to walk with God in the cool of the evening. To see you, to know you, to experience all that you have for me. For indeed, God, you are my maker. You know, you know everything about me. You know how I work. You know what makes me happy. I can't fool you. So, Lord, help me come to you and realize that you have thoughts toward me. Thoughts of good, not of evil. To give me a future and a hope. Lord, help me make that choice. I want all of you. I want to experience everything you have to give. Because, God, we can't help someone else if we're not in that place. I can't lead someone to a place I'm not willing to go. Father, we pray that your spirit would move in such a mighty way, God. Teach us, lead us, guide us, help us see one at a time 
What's the next thing in my life? What's that thing stopping me from enjoying all that you have? And as we move that out of the way, Lord, may we move closer to you. Closer to experiencing the fullness of a relationship with you. Maybe we have religion, but we want a relationship. Maybe we have tradition, but we want truth. We want it all, Lord. Just like you want all of us, teach us to want all of you. Lord, as we seek your face in this place, as we seek your blessing, as we seek your anointing, Lord God, we pray you would move. Do your perfect work in and among each of us as we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.